Thank you for joining me on episode 74 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today, I chat with Kayla Gahagan, former journalist and reporter, now a health coach, has been published in the New York Times front page, not in the middle, front page, upper fold, author of the book, Radical Joy, and more importantly, is a wife and mom of four. And today we discuss the uniqueness of motherhood, how it is under attack, and where we are to properly find our identity. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast, where we travel all the way to South Dakota. Is that how you pronounce it, Kayla? Dakota? Like those South Dakotans? That works. That works. That's what I hear your governor <laughs> say, us South Dakotans. I'm like, oh, it just gives it that Midwest feel. So you're another fellow Midwesterner. And I feel as though we all have the same struggle. And that is Mother Nature has no clue what she's doing in the Midwest. We, I went to the beach just two days ago. And then today I woke up with snow. And that's just that's just how it is in Michigan. And I know it's the same thing with you in South Dakota. But Kayla, I'm so glad that you are here. You are a wife, a mom of four. And I've always seen people that have four kids, the two boys, two girls is like the perfect family. So I'm like, oh, Kayla has like the perfect family. (laughs) But you are a former reporter and journalist. You're a health coach. You do free freelance writing. You were just published in the New York Times. And now you are becoming an author, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But Kayla, you have quite the resume. You got a lot Yay. of stuff going on. <laughs> we, yeah, I have a lot of stuff going on. I feel very, very fortunate to to have my hand in all of those things. So, yes. And you were originally from Wyoming, correct? Yes, I grew up in Wyoming in the northwest corner of Wyoming. And did you, oh, let me back up a second. When did you meet Christ or were you raised in a Christian home? I was raised in a Christian home. So, yeah, and I talk about that a little bit in my book and and what it was like to grow up in a small Wyoming town in a Christian home. And so, yeah, I, I did grow up as a Christian. Now, we are fast approaching Mother's Day, and I really wanted to go over the uniqueness of motherhood. I am a firm believer that all of us were created unique on purpose and God places specific calls on people's lives and he has placed a call on motherhood, which is something that you are passionate about, something that you have written about. And again, we'll talk more about that later on in the discussion. But I mean, we're just going to jump right in. Is that okay? We're just going to totally dive into this conversation because I don't know, I'm looking at our world today, Kayla, and I think that there is an attack on motherhood and there's this attack on gender in general trying to create us all gender neutral that moms and dads are are technically the same it doesn't matter what you have you can have one mom you can have two moms you can have three dads and one mom you know whatever you want that's that seems to be okay with culture but you and i both know moms and dads are different And you've heard it said that every child needs a mom and a dad. But why do you think moms are important and that they are unique to the family structure? I love I love Mother's Day, Um, not because, you know, I want accolades or anything on Mother's Day. But I love I love the sense of celebration around motherhood, not just on that day, but but year round. 
And it makes me think about every Mother's Day. I just love the way that God designed family. And really, if you think about it, there's no better place to truly disciple and be discipled than inside motherhood. I really think there are ways specifically that women can minister and, and love their children in ways that father cannot and fathers can't. And, and I think the opposite is true as well. But I think women specifically are unique in the way that they um, process emotions. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a weakness. I think sometimes society has us believing that that's a weakness. But I think there's a strength um, to the way that women, and I talk about this in my book, can really help set the atmosphere, not only in your home, but also in, in the lives of your children. And I think it's really more than, than just talking about surface, like inside the home, like making your home look pretty or, you know, I always have chocolate chip cookies on the table when you walk in the door. I, I don't think Though it's your about kids would not things. mind. Your kids would not mind that, that, though. Yeah, they'd be like, great, cookies every day. (laughs) So I think it's about more than than the surface things that I'm talking about. I'm talking about women have this way of having um, deep emotional connections to their children that provide stability and, and warmth and grace. And not that fathers can't do that. I think they're called to a different way to nurture their children. I just don't think there's any anything like it, motherhood. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love celebrating motherhood on Mother's Day and, and really just in general. I love what you said about the way mothers are seen today is kind of weakness. And yeah. I, I find that fascinating because when you look back in the New Testament, Paul gives us a structure of how the family dynamic should look like. And those mm-hmm. with feminist glasses look at that scripture And they think, wow, that's so oppressive to women. But if you actually go back to the history of what Paul is trying to get these churches to do with their family structure, it was quite scandalous because women were seen as weak. And in that family structure, Paul was actually trying to elevate women. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And And I think really, even if you take a broader look at even the way that even the way that the church was designed in general, the scripture that talks about us being the body of Christ. I think inside the inside the home, we don't need, you know, my husband and I, we, we, we're not both ears. We're not both feet. There, mm, there really is a strength in that diversity in what my husband brings to my children and what I bring to my children. I think that God designed that on purpose. Mm-hmm. No, I love taking the home and uh, taking it to the body of Christ. I've always thought of the church that way, but not necessarily the home. That's really good. I've noticed, gosh, I've been a Christian for probably about 24 years now. And that whole time, there has been so much talk about absent fathers and Mm -hmm. those that are growing up without dads. But I have noticed something in my 15 years of ministry, and that is we're starting to see more and more absent mothers in our culture. Is this something that you are seeing? Yeah. So I, you know, I thought about that a little bit. And when my book was coming together about being that idea of being present. And so I feel like, and and I think we are seeing some more physical absences of mothers leaving the home, but I still think we're seeing that more with fathers. And I think for me, when I, when I was writing this book, especially, I was talking about how to be more present. And so I feel like women are less likely to physically walk away from their children. I mm-hmm. think just if you study the numbers, but I think women 
are more likely to be absent in other ways. And I talk about Mm. this in the book, being distracted, being hurried, pulled in too many different directions, confused about your purpose, you're unresolved in your priorities. So I think even if I'm sitting there with my kids physically, sometimes I am absent because I am distracted or I'm doing other things or I, I'm not sure if I should be, what, what really is a priority in my day or in my home? And so I think for women, I think that there is some, some absentee parenting happening, absolutely. And I think it's even just less of a physical thing of, of women not being in the home but we are absent in other ways, which I think is is just as dangerous. Mm -hmm. Now, you gave some symptoms, but I'm questioning what the root cause of that is, because when you study Mm -hmm. history, it just seems like mothers were all in, whether they worked or not. We have this idea that the the stay-at-home mom was has always been there. Well, really, that's actually more of a modern thing. That was more of a 1950s thing where women were always working, whether it was they were partnering with their husbands on the farm or doing business outside their home. But what do you think the root is of them being so disengaged in the modern world? Well, I think that, and I talk about this a little bit in my book, I just think that there is a confusion going back to what we were talking about about mothers and fathers in the home. I think there is a confusion about what our priorities are. Mm-hmm. I think there's a confusion about where is God, where God's calling us to. And I think then you throw in on top of that, all of the distractions of the modern world and women, I think, being pulled away by some of those distractions. Mm-hmm. I think it's leading to some of that absentee parenting that we're seeing. What, what are the distractions? Do you think social media is one of those distractions, kind of comparing yourself to what every other mother's doing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, social media can be an encouraging community builder. It can also be just, yeah, absolutely incredibly distracting. Mm -hmm. Going a little deeper with that, do you think that there's an attack on motherhood in our Western world? I think when I think about this more, I, I do agree with you. I think there is an attack on motherhood in the Western world. And to me, when I when I think about my community and I think about um, the mothers in our community, sometimes it feels like less of an attack on motherhood that that we're paying attention to when I'm down, you know, down in the on the ground, so to speak. It feels like there's a divisiveness that's been created among women mm. who choose to do different things with mm-hmm. whatever season of motherhood they're in. So. I think sometimes it's less even that we're paying attention to what, you know, the talking heads are saying on the TV or or what politics are happening and just down on the ground level. I think that sometimes it can be divisive. And I think that's really unfortunate because I, I think in that time and space, when we are, are divisive with each other about what we're doing with our motherhood, staying home or working or, or what our priorities are, I think in that time and space, we could be encouraging each other. We could be helping each other draw closer to Christ. We could be supporting each other. We could be, you know, the village for each other. It takes a village to raise a child. And so, again, we get distracted by comparing, well, she's doing that, or they're doing this in their home. And really, I think they should be doing this. And Mm -hmm. so in that time and space, we're wasting, we're wasting that time and space, I think, by being divisive. No, I like that. And if we would understand how each of us is uniquely created, would we realize that, well, they were created to be like that as a mom, and I'm not created to be like that as a mom, I am created to be 
this way and I don't have to compare myself. When you talk about the divisiveness, I thought that was really good. It reminds me of something I saw on social media. Speaking of distractions, (laughs) it was it was a story of if you have black ants and you have red ants and they're together in a jar, they're not going to bother each other. But if you shake up the jar, then they will start attacking one another. And you're seeing all of this shaking up in our culture and the moms are attacking each other. You know, I never really thought about that with that divisiveness. But that's kind of what I see a lot in the world. And I see a little bit of it in the church. But really what I'm seeing more of in the church is that we kind of idolize motherhood. And I don't know if you've seen that where you're at. I know on Mother's Day, I've often heard the phrase, a mom is the most important job in the world, or it's the hardest job in the world. And all I could think was, right. no, it's not. I would rather be here than fighting a war in Iraq. This is not the hardest job. <laughs> like, right. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take this any day. But do you think that somehow the Christians have kind of idolized motherhood in a sense to make up for what the world is kind of attacking? Yeah, you know, when you ask that question, I kind of think of like the pendulum and I feel like... Mm. Like, that's what we do as a society. It's like we either have to, like, demonize something, and then 10 years later we're like, oh, no, we went way too far with that. We better go back and idolize it. And the pendulum just swings back and forth, and then here we are in the the middle. We're getting dizzy because we're just going back and forth. So as a side note, that's why it's so important to be rooted in Christ and, and in what the Bible says about what to demonize or what to idolize. And obviously we don't idolize anything except, except Christ. I mean, we shouldn't be idolizing anything. So I think being a mother is as important today as it has always been. Mm-hmm. And I really think there's space to celebrate motherhood and also recognize the women who are either not yet mothers or they haven't chosen to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I think really in terms of pressure on mothers, like this is the like the this is the thing that will be the hardest thing you will ever do. It's the best thing you'll ever do. I think that's why it's so important to to work so deeply on your relationship with Christ. So you're not idolizing motherhood. You're just really saying, okay, Lord, this, this is where you have me right now. This is the season that you have me in. And so like scripture says, if you have me here, then I'm going to do the very best that I can with it. And so I feel like that kind of takes off some of the, the pressure that society puts on motherhood, because really it's not about, I'm not doing this for society. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing this because God has called me to this season and I want to steward these kids the way that he wants me to steward them. Mm-hmm. And really I've got gotten better and better the older I get and the more years I have under my belt as a mother to discern societal pressures versus true wisdom. So Mm. I'm careful about who is speaking into my life. Have I given them the authority and the space to speak into my life about what I'm doing with my motherhood? Or am I Am I opening my ears and my heart and my mind to allow people to speak in that either it's not true wisdom. They might not be pursuing Christ or um, so I'm, I'm more careful about that the more years I get into motherhood. So do you think because you're talking about the more the years you get into motherhood, it's gotten easier. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it's because you're more knowledgeable or because your kids are older? And I asked that because I found that when mm-hmm. my kids were younger, it was just nonstop people telling me I felt what to do. And now that my kids are teenagers, I don't feel as though I'm getting that pressure. 
anymore. And I don't know why that is. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think it's probably, I think it's probably a mix. Mm-hmm. I think when you first become a mother, you are kind of thinking in your mind, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think now, just because I have four kids, please don't take that as, oh, Kayla thinks she knows what she's doing. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm no, you are way cooler every... than me. I, I will take <laughs> that hands down. <laughs> I'm, I'm following in your footsteps, Rachel, um, especially when you talk about having teens. I'm about to have my first teenager. So mm. I do think some of it is wisdom in that I've grown in my faith. I've grown in my walk. My kids are a little bit older and I have recognized that I am a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to want to take all the advice and just do all the things that everyone is saying. And so I've gotten better over the years at saying, nope, you know what? God didn't say to do that. And so that's good advice, but I'm going to set it on the shelf right now until I have a green light from God on that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's probably a mix of both. Okay. Yeah. Now you're noticing a lot in culture women are waiting to have children later in years. And you notice that in the mm-hmm. church too, it's increased yeah. uh, in, in uh, just having children in general has decreased. Why do you suppose that is? You know, I, that's a really interesting trend as well. I think we are seeing, and, and you talked about this really well in your book and talking about some of the historical trends and women. You read my book? Being in, well, of course I read your Stop book. Stop it. I had no idea. Oh, of course. Thanks. Of course I read your book. And it's, it's Sidebar. So, it's really the history. I mean, the work you put into tracking all the history, it's fabulous. I learned a lot reading your book. So I, I do think that, that as you talked about the, the historical trends of women being in the workplace, I do think women are pursuing education and careers more robustly now. Mm -hmm. And if they want to have children, I think they, there is more of a trend to wait until you're done with your education or toward the end of your education before you start having families. And, and so I think just along with that, I think if you're starting later, starting your family later, that you're going to have a a fewer kids Mm -hmm. since you're starting later. So yeah, I do, I do think that that, that is a trend. That we're seeing. And I think it's important too to let mothers know or just women in general that there's no right or wrong time. I think there's yes. pressure, especially in the Bible Belt. And this is just my observation. I don't live in the Bible Belt. This is just from who I talk to. There is that pressure yeah. to get married young, have children young. And then where I'm from, there's that pressure of don't get married, don't have kids. That's for your 30s and 40s, that there's a right and a wrong way. But really, when you look at scripture, there's no right or wrong way of when to have kids. There is. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up. I talk about this in my book. My husband and I went to Africa for, it was two months on a mission trip just right after we got married. And so I'd, I hadn't even been married a year. And so, and I was young and we went there for two months and all the women there, they were just astounded that I was not already pregnant. Mm. What are, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a newspaper reporter. I just landed my dream job. I'm, I was telling them all those things and they just thought, why are you not pregnant yet? You're, you need, you're married. You should be having babies. <laughs> right. And so I really opened my eyes to, yes. And, and, and then their culture, that, that is the way that they were doing things. And it, there's no biblical, this is the age, this is the magical age that you need to start having babies. Really think again, and I probably sounding like I'm saying this a thousand times, but I really think it's about your relationship with Christ. And obviously, then when you come into union with your 
with your husband deciding when God is calling you to have kids, if he's having you calling you to have kids. And so, yes. And I think that that takes off some of that pressure again, that we talk about women gets getting so distracted by what is society saying? What is my community saying? And really listening. What is God saying to me right now? He's wanting me to pursue this, or he's wanting me to wait right now, or he's wanting me to, you know, whatever he's wanting. It's really about being rooted in that relationship with him. So you can discern what he's saying to you specifically about your calling. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but what are, if mm-hmm. go a little bit deeper with me, being more specific, what do you think some of the struggles are that mothers are facing today? I think distractions and comparison has definitely been a, a big thing the last 20 years, especially mm-hmm. with social media. But in the now the 2020s, what's more of our yeah. struggle? Yes, yeah, so I think... Like you said, we talked about this a little bit. I think number one, I do think that that our our modern day struggle right now is the distractions. Fear and comparison, I think, are close second and third underneath that. I think that because the home is not always the center of people's lives anymore. I mean, we do how much running do we do outside of the home? Mm, So it seems to be this constant tug of war on your resources as a mother, time, headspace, emotions, finances. Even when I'm out, you know, running around doing errands or, you know, people are, you need to be listening to this book on tape. You need to be listening to this podcast. You need to be constantly always engaged in something. And I think it can be, I think it can be life-giving. I think it can be community building, but I also think that it can be distracting, and it is. And I think even when you're in your home, the outside world is never really outside. Mm. So you have the TV, you have the computer, I have a phone strapped to my hip Mm -hmm. all the time. So you're always, as a mother, you're always connected to the outside world. But I will say this, Rachel, I have thought about this a lot because I talked about it a lot in the book. I honestly think that it all still comes down to the heart. So Mm. I think that my daughters and granddaughters, they're going to raise children in a world that looks different from now. And in the same way, my mom raised me in a different culture than I'm now raising my daughters and, and my sons. And I think regardless of outside influences, God wanted and he still wants and he's going to want the same thing forever for mothers. He wants our heart first and foremost. So he wants relationship with us and he wants us to be raising up disciples for him. So no matter what the world looks like or what is, what is the modern day struggle at at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? It's, it's simple and it's complicated, but it's always about the heart. So no matter what generation you are mothering in, no matter what the current day distraction is, or if COVID is going on, or you have a cell phone or you don't have a cell phone, it's really all about our hearts. Are we rooted in Christ in our heart and are we raising up disciples for him no matter what, what the, the modern day struggle is? Mm-hmm. That's what I think for me is the bottom line. No, and I think that's good. And I, as you're talking, it made me think of that pressure of having to have a career and making sure that you are yes. putting a career, maybe not necessarily above your children, but sometimes it feels like that. I think there's that pressure that if I don't do the career stuff now, even while my kids are little, I'm going to fall behind. Have you seen that? Oh my goodness. I did 
an entire chapter on this in my book because I struggled, Rachel, when I, I mean, I was on a career path. I was driven. I, I had babies and my entire world shifted. And I had this moment where it was like, okay, Lord, I, I thought my identity was this thing. And now I think my identity is this motherhood thing. And he said to me, actually, no, you're not, your identity is not in any of those things. Mm -hmm. Those are things that I have called you to, and I'm going to call you to in different seasons, but your identity is, is in me, is in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, but absolutely, I had that whole, okay, but I thought I was going to be this journalist. And I thought, and now I have to give all that up because now I'm feeling called to stay home. And, and you'll have to read about that, how that ended up in the book. But um, (laughs) I I thought that I was having to shift my identity. And really, I think women feel like that, that I'm having to change my identity, and I'm having to give up things. And yes, there's some shifting, and there's some transition. But if you're really your identity is not in any of those things, even in motherhood, your identity is in Christ. And so hopefully that takes off some of some of the pressure. Well, and too, we have to remember that if we are Christians, people that don't have Christ, they don't have this realization. But as Christians, we know or we need to be reminded that, hey, if I need to give up a career for a season of 20 Mm -hmm. years, which sounds like forever, but it goes by like that. If I have to give up this portion of my life for a season, God is going to catch me up like God he does something yes. different with time than what we humans do. So what we could have worked on for 20 years, maybe neglecting our children and not being present and really putting yes. the career first, God could do all of what you did in 20 years in three months after your kids Absolutely. are grown and gone. You know, and I'm not saying you have to wait until your kids are grown and gone to have a career. That's not what I'm saying. I've, you know, my kids are still at home and I have a career. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to put yeah. any of that down. Just more of the fact of we're all different, but yeah. you're also important to the home and, <laughs> and you're important yes. to your children. Now yes, let's, and you're irreplaceable. Oh, yeah. You're yes. Irreplaceable. You yes. are irreplaceable. Yeah. Yes. And I your think, yeah. and, and we have this idea that if we're going to, even as Christians, we want to reach the world for Christ. And I get that. I understand that. But the most important thing you can be doing is making sure you are present for the world that's in your home, those little worlds that are right there. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. You just wrote a book called Radical Joy, Christ's Joy to, I'm sorry, Christ's Call to Purposeful, Joyful Motherhood. And when does that come out? That comes out this summer. We oh, fantastic. We are a proof copy on its way right now. So I'm so excited to hold it in my hand. Oh, you will love it. You will like, you will cry. <laughs> but what made you decide to write this book? Yes. Yeah, so it was on my heart for years just to put down some of our life experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I, I wanted it to be a book that my kids would read someday. That was really kind of my focus. And I knew that God was, I kept honing in on the joy. I knew it was something he wanted me to write about because it isn't something I've fully mastered. So it, it, this definitely wasn't, oh, Kayla has mastered how to lead a, a joy-filled, Christ-filled life. It's definitely mm-hmm. something that is sanctification constantly. Every single day, he's pruning me. Thank you, Lord. So I knew that I wanted to dig in and really hone in on that idea of joy 
and and then also just talk about what life looks like raising four kids as I'm trying to do that. Once I started praying over it and, and writing and reading, I felt more of a burden to share this with the other moms in my life and and not just have my kids read it, really to encourage and challenge. And I, I just, my heart really for readers is to be an encouragement and, and to really remind them, don't let this time and this season pass you by. I just, I don't want personally, I, this is the one thing in my life that I don't want any regrets. If there's mm-hmm. stories, news stories that don't get written, you know, in my journalism career, things, those things that don't get done, then that will be sad. But I really don't want to miss this season with my kids. I want to be present and I want to be joyful. I don't want to just survive and get by day to day. I want to have joy while I'm doing this. Right. No, that's good. It, when you when you said that, it reminded me of a podcast I was watching last week where the gentleman on was saying Oh, gosh, what was it? Oh, he was talking about gravestones. And on your headstone, oh. it's going to say beloved mother, daughter, and and how you served, whether it was you served in the military or whatever. But it's not going to say Kayla Gahagan, New York Times front page journalist. Like, even no. though that is the yeah. coolest thing that I yeah. mean, that anybody can do, have their stuff published on the front page of the New York Times, that's not going to be on your gravestone. But the fact Absolutely. that you are a mother, that that will yep. be on Ab- the headstone. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. In- so it's just, yeah, keeping priorities in line and being being present where he wants you to be present. Mm-hmm. So One line in your book, it's in chapter two, it says, there's joy here, not happy-go-lucky smiles or simple good moods, but real joy. And this is what I found fascinating. You said, born of discomfort and struggle, uncertainty, and hardship. And you were talking about going back to Wyoming and just that farm life. And I found that quote fascinating, mm-hmm. especially in a world the, where the mantra is do what makes you happy. Explain to me joy that comes from discomfort and struggle because that does not sound joyful to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, this in this particular section, yeah, I was calling out a friend of mine who has this wonderful way of reminding me that just because something is hard does not mean it's not where God has called you. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's a hard thing to hear, right? Yeah. So, and, and we've had, and I've had so many deep conversations with several friends about this, but about work inside the home, work outside the home, how that relates to the way that we parent our kids. And she consistently reminds me that, that joy and sorrow can exist at the same time and joy and hardship can exist at the same time. Physical pain and joy can exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. And if you think in your mind, how is that? And it's because the joy that Christ offers never, never succumbs to the things of this world. So it's greater than our flesh and Satan and society and the daily circumstances that you can feel are like, are so acute and so heavy some days. But in, and this is hard to hear, but really in the light of eternity, they're going to fade away, right? And yeah. so I actually thought about this several times during COVID when I had several conversations with friends who had a lot of time with kids in their home and they weren't necessarily used to that. They just had a lot of time with their kids because they were in, you know, in lockdown or whatever the situation was. And some of them were saying, oh, I just was about to lose my mind. I can't 
handle being with my kids that long. And I, and I just wanted to say to them, and sometimes I did, like, hey, just because you had a hard day in your home with your kids doesn't mean that, A, tomorrow is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But, B, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth or, worth it or it's not where God wants you to be right now. So to, to really emphasize that it, just because it's hard or just because it's painful, that right on the other side of that can be joy and breakthrough. And if you will just follow through and be consistent and be purposeful, I, God, God will pour in all of the gaps and he will cover all of the things that you're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the joy is. I think that's where, and, and for my friend who lives on a ranch, it's just, I, it's, it's so easy to see that analogy on the ranch because of all of <laughs> There's a lot of hardships when you're running a ranch. Yeah. You're talking about joy and mm-hmm. there is a big difference between joy and happiness. Yes. And we yes. have this idea that we have to search after happiness, but you're talking about no going after yep. joy and what difference yes. that is. I think that society has hijacked that word happy. Mm. And I think as Christians, we really, whether you use the word happy or not, I, t- I tend to not use it. I really focused on that word joy because I really think that happy, the word happy, we just were confused about what it actually is. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, what I'm call, you know, encouraging mothers is search for something deeper. Just because your home is not quote unquote happy today or happy during these couple hours, you're doing the work mm-hmm. to create deeper, something deeper. And that is the joy. So, and that can't be rocked by emotions that can't be rocked by circumstances that can't be rocked by the weather or whatever it is. Um, Joy is deeper than that. And there's, there's strength in that. And I love it. Mm -hmm. As we wrap up uh, again, the book is called radical joy, Christ's call to purposeful, joyful motherhood and I, or joy-filled motherhood. And I'll make sure that I put uh, all of the ways that people can follow you into the show notes. But as we wrap up, what would you say to the mom that's listening now? Maybe they have young kids and they say, there is no joy mm-hmm. right now. That's where I was as, as a mom yeah. with younger kids. I had no joy. Now, as teenagers, I am finding lots of joy, but you have also those mothers that maybe had joy when their kids were little and now they're in the teenage years and they're going, I have no joy right now. What would you say to that mom that just says, nope, no joy? Yes. I think that I would want to just give hope uh, to, to any and all of those mothers, no matter if you're in diapers or your kids are, you know, like you said, teenagers, no season lasts forever. As you know, Mm -hmm. this goes so fast. And I, and I know that's hard to say. If you had said that to me, when I was up every hour and a half, you know, breastfeeding my first son, I would have just, I probably would have ignored. Yeah, you would have gotten dead. It doesn't, just, yeah, yeah, it doesn't last forever. And so if you're feeling discouraged or isolated, or I am just not doing this motherhood thing well, we were never called to be perfect mothers. That was not God's intent for motherhood. He, he we're called to be in relationship with him first and foremost. And then if and when he calls us to be mothers, he wants to stay in that unity with him. So when the days are hard or the days where we're like, man, I am just doing amazing. I'm an awesome mom. Sometimes those are far and few between, but we're doing it in his strength and not on our own. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, like I said, the joy comes in. I think when you surrender what you think motherhood should mm-hmm. look like, you're yeah. really opening your hands to put in, put into your hands what he wants. Yeah. And I would also say, yes, if you are a mother right now, you are in the right place at the right time with the right kids. So he didn't call you to this wonderful, hard, messy, beautiful season and say, see you later, have fun. Yeah. No, he, he gave you those kids or that child. And he's like, hey, I am right here beside you. I'm doing this with you. And the one of the fruits of the spirit, just one of them, besides peace and love and kindness, is joy. Mm. So I would hope that a mother listening to this, no matter what season that they're in, that they would embrace that and they would find joy in that and they they would know that it 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 won't be forever. This is not a forever thing. And that's why I really want moms to just be fully present because this isn't a forever thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would I would want to give hope and and remind people that you can be joyful in this season no matter how old your kids are. And I think too, just to piggyback on that, when you are present in the early years and you are finding yeah. joy in the early years, it helps immensely. All that work that you put in yes. is going to help immensely in the older years. Yes. Not as good advice for me as you are uh, <laughs> a few years ahead of me with the, with the teenagers. You're so encouraging because, yes, I, I'm putting the time in right now and I'm just, okay, Lord, help our teenage years to just to be awesome. And, and I don't want to dread them or, or not yeah. look forward to them. I'm looking forward to them. Yeah, and you know what? I I love, this is about you, so I'm sorry I'm making it about me for a second, but I love the teenage <laughs> years. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying that there no, is an yeah. attitude and, oh, ignoring mom because she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Obviously, there are those issues, but I think because of trying to do everything we could when they were younger, putting in all of that hard work and just yeah. that grit of you will know your manners. We yeah. do go to church every Sunday. This is what we as a family do. And and spending all of those dinners. I remember when they were little, I'm like, why do we do family dinners? These are a disaster <laughs> every single night. This is stupid. And now I'm like, this is my favorite part of the day to have yes, dinner together. So much. And I think, too, and maybe you can speak to this as someone who doesn't have teenagers yet. I think there's that fear because we see so much of how there are certain teenagers that they fall off the wagon or they run away or they're doing all these horrible things that we have this assumption that ours will be like that too. And that's not necessarily true. Yes. That's so encouraging. So, well, anyway, (laughs) thank you, Kayla, so much. I'm going to make sure that I put all of your stuff, people, ways people can follow you in the show notes so that way they can get a hold of your book and i just so appreciate you being here today thank you so much for having me thank you once again for joining today's episode of unique on purpose podcast and thank you to kayla for just opening up her heart being vulnerable and sharing about her new book that comes out this summer radical joy make sure you give kayla a follow i'll put all of her information in the show notes so that way you can get hold of that book once it comes out this summer unique on purpose is available on itunes as well as spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts don't forget to share download and subscribe and remember you were created unique on purpose you are loved and because of christ you have been made worthy i will see you next time